0: Bad Project Family, how's it going now? On this podcast, we talk a lot about getting your lab work done. That's why we've partnered with Merrick Health. They're a telehealth network, and they're owned by Derek for more plates, more dates. But the amazing thing about Merrick is that when you when they get your labs done, they have a client care coordinator go over those labs with you. Now, a lot of you, when you guys are looking at labs and looking at your testosterone, cholesterol, et cetera, what Merrick Health does is they don't immediately – throw a needle at you okay they can help you figure out what type of things you need to do in terms of nutrition potentially what you need to do through your supplementation and if you're someone who potentially has hormonal issues whether you're advanced in age or you do have very low testosterone Merrick will put you on a protocol that is specific to you and that helps you out with your current levels the problem with a lot of these other telehealth networks is that when they do HRT for individuals they give everybody the same exact thing and that can actually damage you and not be
1: beneficial. That's why Merrick Health's the way to go. And Andrew, how do they go about it? Yes, that's over at MerrickHealth.com. That's M-A-R-E-K health.com. And let's say you just you just want to get your testosterone checked, or maybe you want to get your testosterone, your estrogen, and a couple of other things. Uh, load all those labs into your cart, and at checkout enter promo code POWERPROJECT10 to save 10% off all those labs. But let's say you're not sure where to start. Head over to MerrickHealth.com slash POWERPROJECT and get the POWERPROJECT panel. That's going to cover everything you need to know including a uh, consultation with a client care coordinator uh, that comes free with that. And use promo code POWERPROJECT to save $101 off of that entire bundle. Again, MerrickHealth.com. Links to them down in the description as well as the podcast show notes.
2: All right. Well, today we have uh, Ben Greenfield on the show. Uh, Should be interesting. He's kind of known as like a biohacker, I guess Mm -hmm. you'd say. Mm -hmm. He's been doing uh, hot and cold therapy and... All kinds of different stuff for lots a Lots of drugs. Time. <laughs> yeah. Lots of different drugs. Lots of experimentation. Yeah. Injecting stuff into his wiener and stuff like that. <laughs> he did go that far. Right, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, kind of. Some people might label him as like a tin hat kind of guy. Like he's a guy that's probably shutting off all his Wi-Fi at the end of the day oh, type thing. And just, okay. you know. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to make of some of that stuff. I, uh, I shut off my Wi-Fi at night, so... Maybe I'm a. Maybe I just need the tin hat to go along with it. I don't know. A tin hat. You know the, the this the cool thing about um, all the biohacking stuff
0: is number one he knows a lot about it. But like remember when listening to this show, there are the simple things that you can do that are going to make ninety five percent of the difference. Mm-hmm. And then maybe a lot of the stuff we talk about here are going to be that extra five percent. Yeah. So I think
2: we could ask him about all kinds of weird stuff. We can ask him oh, about yeah. feet since we've had a foot obsession. This man's lately. in a fucking forest. It's <laughs> 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 Hi. Hey, don't get fucking killed by a bear, okay? <laughs>
3: I'm I'm walking up this super super steep hill behind my house so I can get up into 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 territory where there's no bars, meaning bears. That's just how we that's just how we say bears up here in Washington. Bars.
2: I got it. I got it. Um, yeah, yeah. You sent me a picture yesterday because I was kind of teasing you. I was like, oh, if you're going to be on a walk, you know, watch out for bears. And then you sent me a picture. There was a big old bear behind oh. you. You were at like a outdoor festival or something like that, right?
3: Oh, yeah. I, I brought my sons to an outdoors show last night, like a hunting and fishing outdoors oh, nice. expo, which really, uh, we didn't really get anything out of it aside from uh, we bought mom a taser. Oh, we nice. actually bought her a really cool little pink taser. So I had to explain to my sons uh, what a dildo was. <laughs> yes. played Let's play a joke on mom and tell her we got her a dildo. And so we brought it and we put it on the kitchen table. And my my son goes, hey, mom, dad bought you a Dido. At the <laughs> show. And she takes it out in the hand, of, obviously, it's, it's a taser. Those things hurt, though. It's like 3,500 volts. I had oh, not try it on me and just about knocked me over. Crazy.
2: You're really big on uh, doing a lot of things with your kids, not just, um, and not like in just a traditional sense. Like you uh, expose your kids to like cold therapy, and um, I believe you are probably having them uh, follow similar nutrition protocols and stuff. How, um, how receptive have they been to some of those things, and kind of how did you get them to do it? Because I think a lot of people uh, would like their kids to be healthier, but their kids are kind of stuck on technology and, and junk food.
3: Well, my kids don't eat the same way I do. That's for sure. So they, they've been cooking from scratch since they were about two years old with mom. I mean, that's what they do. They, they have a cooking podcast. They do cookbooks. They do like, uh, you know, restaurant reviews and they're they're little foodies. So th- So they'll get up in the morning and make themselves like these giant gooey cinnamon rolls for breakfast what? from scratch. Or like, you know, yesterday they made like like hot cross buns, you know, with with raisins and like a colostrum cream cheese frosting and you know this morning made i don't don't even know what it was it was like this egg cake thing how old are they then i I feel like every morning is like an opportunity for me to get diabetes um (laughs) because like they so for me like i like my breakfasts are like raw liver and colostrum and bone broth and you know maybe a little whey protein isolate or whatever because i'm i'm kind of like a cyclic keto guy but my sons uh bless their little hearts are are more like bakers they're like little french bakers so um that being said though and they're 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 uh, 13 years old um and that that being said uh b- besides our nutrition philosophies differing because i'm one of those guys who doesn't want to make little like orthorexic anorexic boys like i just rather them be able to to make what they want to make and pursue their passions and like they're using all healthy stuff, right? They'll use like Bob's red mill flour and, and, you know, and coconut creams for their frosting. And it's not like they're using pure shit in the kitchen. It's just, they, they just cook and eat different than I cook and eat. And I'm totally cool with that. Uh, Cause I really, I don't know how to bake and I don't know how to make pasta and, you know, they know how to do all that stuff. So that's great. Um, and plus, you know, young people have higher metabolisms and better insulin sensitivity anyways. So, Uh, so they can get away with that a little bit more. But anyways, um, yeah, besides that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm convinced that I think four of the best ways to make like a, kind of like a hard resilient human being is, uh, breath, hot, cold, and kettlebells. So my sons and I, we do breath, hot, cold, and kettlebells, usually three to five days of the week. You know, typically I'll, I'll drag them out to the gym. You know, typical workouts for us are very simple. You know, like our workout a couple of days ago was just basically a ladder, one swing, one hand-release push-up, two swings, two hand-release push-ups, we'll work way up to 20, work our way back down if we have a little bit more time, head over into the sauna that's been warming up, do a breath work session, jump in about, you know, 32, 35 degrees of water for a couple of minutes while we do some box breathing, and, um... Uh, a lot of times the breath work that we do is is in the sauna so we're getting the heat as well but those are four things that i really try to prioritize from a physical standpoint with my sons every week is uh hate cold breath work and uh some kind of unstable object like a kettlebell sometimes we use sandbags and stuff like that too
0: what does the uh what does the breath work look like when you do the breath work in the sauna all the cold plunge and what is the benefit of temperature what have you found the benefit to be for hot and cold
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. A great question. So what it looks like is uh, our sweet spot is about 15 to 20 minutes for for breath work. And for us, like if we've done a workout, usually we'll finish a workout. So usually we'll do this right before dinner. So we'll, you know, we'll finish up around 630, 645, throwing some kettlebells around or whatever. And then we'll uh, we'll dip into the sauna inside, which has already been warming up. We'll just flip it on before we hit the gym. And uh, I use an infrared sauna, so it'll, you know, it, it hits about 155, 160, but because of the, you know, those light photons, particularly from the far infrared, penetrate pretty deeply, you know, you'll, you'll open up a pretty good sweat, similar to what you get from a from a dry sauna. And I, I think, I, you know, the other setup that I really like, because I'm, I'm probably going to be moving to Idaho soon, and I'll Ooh. probably do this setup at my Idaho place, is like a big old dry barrel sauna, but then take some hit, heat resistant red lights in there. So you kind of get the best of both worlds, like the super intense dry heat of the sauna. Mm. So you can still drag some red light in there. But right now I use a uh, uh, clear light brand sauna. So we get that thing jacked up. We go in there and uh, our, we, we have a lot of little, like every year I for the past three years, I brought my sons typically in, in one of the first months of the year, like January, February, March, I bring them to a breathwork course. Just to teach them how to breathe properly, you know, add a few new breath work technique, feathers to their cap, you know. So you Is ever, there a specific coach? Work or, like the- well, no. So the ones we've done the past three years was we did uh, Naraj Naik. I really like him. You guys should interview him sometime. He goes by the name of the Renegade Pharmacist. Ooh. And he's like used to be a DJ and also a pharmacist, actually. So he knows a lot about the physiology of breath work. And he puts together some really good tracks that are anywhere from, yeah, you know, from, from 10 minutes to an hour. And uh, he has some good trainings online. So I brought my sons through that one uh, about three years ago. I brought him through one by another guy named uh, Josh Trent. He has a podcast called the the Wellness Force Podcast, I think it's called. And, and he had a good program that I brought my sons through um, th- this past year. I brought them through basically this new app that just came out. I think it's the best breathwork app right now out there. That one's called Other Ship. And uh, Other Ship has courses uh, and breathwork routines ranging from like very quick two minutes just for a quick charge me up during the day, all the way up to like these deep psychedelic like holotropic 75-minute breathwork sessions. And that's the one that we use right now. We do about... 15 to 20 minutes on that other ship app. Typically we'll, we'll choose like kind of like one of the more invigorating upper sessions. It's a lot of like Wim Hof style stuff. Um, a lot of Pranayama style techniques, a lot of, a lot of holds, a lot of CO2 tolerance, a lot of oxygen deprivation, a little bit of box breathing. Uh, they, they do have nighttime relaxation sessions, but we kind of like the more invigorating stuff. Uh, and then, um, we're, we're usually kind of sweating by the time that we finish that, but about three, four times a week, we're doing that. And then uh, about two times a month, we drop into the sauna, we lay flat on our backs and we do like the full on like 60 minute long breathwork sessions. Wow. And I mean, you know, not only do those things get you, you know, high as a kite, if you're looking for more of kind of like that, that self deep. E.M.T. release and, and really go to a to a place that uh, that just totally shifts you into a an elevated state of consciousness using your own breath, you know, using your own physiology. Uh, but but they're also wonderful for developing uh, heat tolerance and focus uh, in in kids. And the other thing, they don't even know this, but you know, they're they're going to be great at sex when. <laughs> When, when they're older, they're all very happy wives because not only can they make cinnamon rolls, but, you know, they're, they're learning a lot of pelvic locks. They're learning a lot of, like, tantric-esque techniques. Let's they're learning a lot go. of techniques that, uh, that are very they're very um, correlative to, like, the multi-orgasmic male type of teachings on, you know, where you do the lock right before you're about to, to ejaculate, keep it in the body, and still experience the, the orgasm sensation. And so, you know, a lot of these breathwork techniques transfer to sex as well, which is Also, what I like about that other ship app, it has a couple partner sessions, and um, you know, those are usually 20 30 minutes. And oh my gosh, like if you have the time for for foreplay, you know, you just hook those things up to a Bluetooth speaker in the bedroom or whatever. And uh, my wife and I like to do those uh, uh, here and there. You know, sometimes we'll do like a little uh, like a ketamine or an oxytocin nasal spray, and, and then drop in, do 20 to 30 minutes of breath work, and it just makes it makes lovemaking amazing because all that breath work you do leading in during foreplay, you kind of keep doing while you're having sex. And, you know, I'm, I'm convinced that that sex is about one of the most sacred special things that two human beings uh, can experience. And, you know, from a spiritual standpoint and because breath is also so spiritual, you know, the two go together like uh, like turkey and cranberries, I guess. So. Anyways, yeah, back to my sons. That's, that's what our breath work looks like. And then uh, you asked about the temperature for the cold. And really with cold, what it comes down to is, is the colder the water, the less time you need in it to get the benefits. So mm-hmm. we go pretty cold. We, we, keep, we, have, we have one of those cold tubs that we keep between about 32 to 35 degrees. And we'll either go jump in that for about two minutes, or we also have like an above ground pool that I just don't heat. And so most times of the year, that thing's anywhere from 40 to 55 degrees. So we'll sometimes just go swim around in there for a little bit longer time, you know, like four to six minutes. Mm. Uh, and so, yeah, that's what it looks like.
2: You mentioned uh, the breathing having like a DMT-like effect. I would imagine that you've taken DMT before, right?
3: Uh, yeah, well, taken. I mean, not, not like orally, but yeah, I've, I've smoked it, yeah.
2: Right, and then so do, in comparison, did that feel similar, the breathing?
3: Well, you get, you get similar sensations. I mean, let's face it, you know, it's it's not going to blast you off like a rocket ship to the moon, (laughs) like inhaling DMT will. But I mean, arguably, I think that that natural release that you get from the pineal gland via things like breath work. um, Gosh, how do I explain this? I mean, I mean, you know, it's kind of like, you know, how do you build more character and how do you appreciate what you're getting out of it more Uh, getting dropped by a helicopter on the top of Mount Everest or hiking Mount Everest or, or, you know, uh, having somebody drive you in their Tesla to the finish line of an Ironman triathlon or actually doing the freaking thing. And I think anytime you achieve an altered state of consciousness through hard work, there's a little bit more of a, more of a character building payoff. And, you know, I'm not one of those guys who says that uh, there's, there's, you know, there's no shortcuts, and, and you know, you, you can't hack your way to, to get to anything. But I think at the same time, like, for me, it feels more rewarding. But, yeah, compared to smoking DMT, it's it's very slight. It's it's a little, you know, a lot less of an out-of-your-body experience. But, I mean, t- to be honest with you, like, I'll shoot straight. I freaking hate DMT. Like, I don't even like it. Like, I, I don't like the way I feel. I don't like the way that it just basically just strips me completely out of my body. I don't like some of like the, the darker sensations I get out of it, but that same molecule when released naturally in my body and still relatively high amounts via breath work. And when I'm sitting in that space, you know, on a long exhale, you know, especially during those longer sessions where I'm like 45 minutes in and I'm able to hold that exhale sometimes for like, you know, three and a half, four minutes, um, You know, that silence and the space that you find in that silence and the fact that you're a little bit more lucid and a little bit more um, receptive and open and aware of messages that you're getting in that silence. You know, either messages from God or visions that you might experience or downloads that you might experience. Um, These are all things that you can leave a breathwork session and immediately go journal and write down. Sometimes when you're using DMT or some other slightly more hallucinogenic or psychoactive substances, sometimes you don't even remember. Like you, you know that you know that you had something important happen that you were supposed to remember or some message that you got, but you're just so freaking out of it, you you can't even go write it down in a journal. You know. Wow.
0: Um, so we mentioned DMT, but uh, you know, Mark, myself, and even Andrews dabbled a little bit. I think. But we've messed with psilocybin before, um, and I'm curious because I mean you were mentioning that it's it would be more ideal like a lot of people find these substances and they want to use them as an escape of something or um, to get to another state without doing personal work be- before. But I'd imagine that you do use psilocybin quite a bit. What uses do you find that it's maybe useful for for you, or do you even is it even useful for you? I'm not sure
3: um yeah, yeah psilocybin is certainly something that i've used before I wouldn't say I use it a lot you know i um i I might microdose with psilocybin uh maybe maybe three or four times a month you know on like a, a day where I need a little bit more creativity I'll yeah, I'll certainly use something like the stamit stack and take a a half gram or so of uh of psilo, of psilocybin with a little bit of uh like a blood cell or or, or a blood flow. Uh, precursor like niacinamide or niacin or even like sildenafil or something like that. Mm. Uh, we, and, and then the lion's mane and the psilocybin and, and that's really nice, you know, for something for which you'd want increased sensory perception or increased creativity, like either a, like in nature or, you know, or, or a really intense like worship prayer song session, which I'll sometimes do, you know, especially in the morning, just, you know, going before God for an hour or so and going really deep, uh, You know, it can even be be nice for like a hard workout or for a really good creative writing session where I'm juggling a lot of book chapters and just need to be able to step back and see the forest for the trees, but then also be able to dive in and creatively tweak and edit each chapter. So, you know, those would be some use cases for it. Um, And, you know, I I would say that I very seldomly will use what many would refer to, you know, as as more like like a trip dose, you know, where I'll take. Three, four, five, six grams. You know, I've I've done that before. You know, with with a good journal and and a a, 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 um, you know mask and a good track, and have been able to have business or personal breakthroughs that I wouldn't otherwise have been able to have. You know, and for those type of things, just because sometimes you're kind of laid out a little bit, I'll just put on a digital recorder and record what I vocalize during those sessions, and then later I'll transcribe that recording and you know get access to some of the things that i that i voiced when my ego was set aside and i was in a little bit more of an elevated or altered state of consciousness cuz you do think you know differently when you're on these type of substances especially when you've when you've kind of minimized or slayed or set aside your ego to a certain extent and so um yeah i think there's benefit like my, my view on any of these things to get to your question about escapism is that yeah i think that in many cases, you know, when you're talking to somebody who's done like their 38th ayahuasca retreat or whatever, and then they're going back to Peru next week, you know, you kind of ask yourself mentally, geez, like, what's this person looking for that they're not finding from this or other substances? Because yeah, you know, you you can go to a blissful la-la land state and convince yourself that it's like this noble excursion to enlightenment and you know this time this this one time even though it didn't work all the other times this one time is going to be the time when you finally come back with the magic elixir with the answer to all of life's problems and the fact is all you're doing is just checking out from the pain that you're experiencing in your normal day-to-day life because you either haven't integrated what you knew you were supposed to integrate from a previous plant medicine session or there's just still so much pain and so much in your life that you need to address when you're in a conscious, rational, full ego on board state that you haven't yet implemented. And sometimes the plant medicine experience can be blissful and relaxing. And, you know, you, 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 you can escape a lot of the pain that you experience in the logical, rational, fully connected world but if you're in that logical rational fully connected world and not making the decisions and doing the hard work and implementing the things that you may have been told or may have realized that you should be implementing when you're in that that more blissful you know plant medicine experience then it's, it's really it's not doing you any good. I mean look, I I think with any of these things you know and I and I'm a Christian so maybe I have a a different viewpoint than some people might but I think that God made everything that's in creation for a specific purpose. And I think that anything in creation can be abused. Like, Mm -hmm. for example, uh, use of higher doses of plant medicine. I think the use cases for that is very few and far between. Uh, Maybe a rite of passage into adolescence for a young man or a young woman. Maybe a a wedding night that you're celebrating with the the spouse you've just married. Maybe your 40th birthday party. Um, maybe if you have had trauma or you have epigenerational trauma and you need to specifically use that to start to dissolve some of that trauma, you know, the, but, but, you know, the idea is very popular, like in our, especially in the health and fitness community. I don't know if you guys have noticed, you probably have, you know, people are just like dropping this stuff like candy and going off on some journey every month. I really don't think that's the, that's the the intention for these type of substances. I think, Their use for cognitive enhancement in a microdosing context, great. I think that works fine. LSD, LSA, Wachuma, psilocybin, uh, you know, any of these things used in small amounts to enhance productivity and creativity. I think that's the best use case for them. And then higher doses would be very few and far between for, uh, what's the guy, Uh, uh, Jamie Wheel. You know, he writes about this in his book, uh, Stealing Fire or Recapture the Rapture. You know, the rest of the time, it's just like extremely calendared, hedonistic experiences Mm -hmm. that are not something that you're doing like every month, but instead use very, very few and far between and for very special occasions. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yes. You know, I wanted to ask you this because uh, it's first off, your book Boundless is thick and it's filled with massive like information on so many different things and it was funny because we were talking before the show of when somebody thinks of the idea of a biohacker they typically think of somebody who has their red light glasses on their red light on their balls and they're (laughs) fucking you know just doing wild shit and messing with the lights in their house and everything you know but when we look at you, when we pay attention to your stuff, and then
3: they're also kind they're also kind of scrawny and easy to kill. <laughs> yes.
0: Yes. But exactly you right now, you're on this podcast. You're taking a walk, probably in the cold outside. Like you, you put your body through stresses. You like, and and you you focus on the big movers, and then it's like so many of the things in your book that you talk about. These are additions after, like not after, but these are additions to when you get the big things going. So, I was curious what your thoughts are on the whole idea of where biohacking is as a field, or when people look at biohackers. Um, and then on an aside because uh, you mentioned creativity earlier. I'm wondering kind of what your creative process is to be creative because you're putting out tons of stuff on unique different ideas all the time.
3: Yeah. Well, this, the second part of your question is is the easiest. So I'll grab that low hanging fruit first. Okay. Um, you know, I, I think that the one thing that especially in uh, a wildly distracted era that we now live in that's so simple to do is to wake up and start checking boxes mm. to wake up and, and start doing, 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 because let's, let's face it. It's, it's very easy to just have work on our plate all day. Like that's, it's not hard to make money these days. It's, it's not hard to, to have lots of things to do and lots of emails to reply to and lots of social media messages to check. And lots of stuff to post to your story and you know and to your feed. Like you could go all day and pat yourself on the back for having done a good job, just like doing shit all day. However, it's very seldom when it comes to impactful creations that are that are deeper works of creation that we actually take the time to think about what those creations are going to be. Um, I'll use a very trite and silly example, but I'll, I'll use it nonetheless because my sons with their cooking podcast, they had a meeting last night with their, like one of their social media people. Like wow. I, I, I tell my sons, I told them don't, don't dick around with social media. Don't like you guys don't even know how to log on your own website, like hire other people to do that for you and just stick to the stuff you're good at. Like go, go make cinnamon rolls and let, let, let the team do the rest. You know, Cause I, I honestly wish I'd done more of that when I was young, like, like done a little bit less of the day to day and just stuck a little bit more to, you know, like the, the writing and the, you know, and the podcasting and the speaking and things like that. But anyways, so they have a meeting with this guy and he starts to explain to them some of the YouTube tactics that help to make videos successful. You know, like, could you do a podcast about how to make uh, hot cross buns or could you instead have the whole video be titled... How many hot cross buns can a 13 year old fit into their mouth, you know, <laughs> but then have as a part of that video, of course, is the recipe, but it's different because it's a pattern interrupt, right? And he was using a guy named Mr. Beast on YouTube as an example of this. Yeah. And, you know, I overheard some of the conversation that their social media guy was having with my sons and he explained, well, one of the things this guy does is this Mr. Beast guy who makes a lot of really successful videos on YouTube is he carves out time he's to just sit and think about what videos he wants to do to like literally just sit there doing nothing but thinking about what he's going to do. Now that's smart. That's very smart. I'll tell you guys why. One of the best business books ever written is called the road less stupid. And the author of the road less stupid, the entire book is based around this idea of carving out thinking time as an entrepreneur or as a, as a, as a creator, or as an artist, or as a storyteller for yourself uh, on a regular basis, not necessarily every day, uh, you know, like the strategy that this guy presents in, in his book is two or three times a week, you know, as a business owner, you're just giving yourself about 40 to 60 minutes to sit there with a pen and a journal and a couple of questions that you're trying to solve. Like why didn't more customers come to this website when I launched this new product or, you know, what what are my competitors doing right now in my space that I'm not doing? Or what is an emerging market, like say, you know, NFTs or the metaverse or whatever that I'm not in right now? And what would it take for me to get there? And these aren't meetings. These aren't talks. This isn't getting things done. This isn't checking boxes. This is literally just like sitting there stroking your chin and thinking. And um, so for for me, you know, getting on your, to your question about, creativity and 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 my approach is I have every single day where after I get up and I made a little coffee and typically like I'll do some silly I, I do do some silly biohacking things in the morning. Like to, you know I, I get on some red light and I jump up and down on a trampoline and I do some breath work and I do some foam rolling. Like I just gotta freaking move my body before I have that thinking time or that meditating time. Mm. But after I do that for about 15 minutes. You know, first thing of the day, you know, usually I get up, I'm usually up sometime between like 3.45 and 4.30. And so usually by about 5 a.m., I'm just sitting there, um, you know, in, in my little man cave down in the basement with a, with a journal and a pen. And I'm sitting there and I, I play some nice music in the background and I'm praying and I'm meditating and I'm reading my Bible and I'm writing in a journal and I'm stopping and I'm listening to myself and I'm listening to God. And I just carve that time out each morning and then in addition to that twice a month this sounds silly but this is the way I do it guys twice a month I get a three-hour massage and uh I set up a vocal recorder underneath the table and during the entire massage I just think about problems I've been having during the week and I talk to myself about ways that I might tackle them right so every morning I got 20 minutes and twice a month I got three hours And those are the times when I have like my quiet time to just be super creative and step away from all the busyness and give myself permission to just think about problems and to think of ideas for articles and to think of ideas for books and to think of ideas for for podcasts. And so that's how I tackle the the creativity piece. Um, Now back to the biohacking thing. Um, Yeah, I, I think that it does... Get a little bit silly these days. We got a whole bunch of people running around like muppets with their, you know, with their red light panels and their self quantification devices and their ring and like their eight different brands of mouth tape and you know and then you know the the different you know oils and fats and. Now I don't have the short chain fatty acid and long chain fatty acid. I got the medium, long, short chain fatty acid. I'm putting in my coffee and my tea now. And you know, it's just all these things. It's almost like this competition to see who can do the, the weirdest shit to to hack their biology. And look, the the way I look at things is we as humans from an ancestral standpoint, you know, I, I don't think we've been around that long. You know, I, I think that that the earth is somewhere around the Uh, around 7,000 to 8,000 years old. So we haven't been around that long, but still long enough to where um, we have developed this ancestral connection with nature that we are fighting a constant daily evolutionary mismatch against with, uh, you know, our our setting in a modern post-industrial era. You know, sitting inside all day, being largely connected, having the hip flexors shortened and the glutes turned off. Not lifting heavy things as part of our job. And so having to fabricate that in a fake gym context, you know, um, you know, being in boxes a lot, driving in a box, sitting in a box, sleeping in a box, uh, working out in the box, you know, and in relatively predictable versus unpredictable scenarios because the outdoors in nature is more predictable, um, or is more unpredictable. And so what I look at when it comes to a lot of these biohacks is basically. How can I simulate, or even like hyper concentrate a lot of the things that my ancestors would have been getting in nature? So yeah, I can't be out in the sunlight all day, but I can literally just like blast myself with near and far infrared via like photobiomodulation panels in my office, or like a a headset that will deliver infrared light, you know, to my skull, or infrared sauna, or something like that. You know, I can't drink from a fresh mountain spring but I can biohack my water at home with a, you know, double carbon block filtration that passes through like a, a structured water vortex. So the water is more like the way that it would be if it were traveling underground in a spring, or I can't be like outside barefoot all day, but I can wear minimalist shoes or go barefoot in my house and have like grounding and earthing mats that I can stand on that are plugged into a grounding outlet or like in the case of my office, just in a wire that's, planted a metal stake out in the ground so I can be like grounded and earthed while I'm while I'm standing or working in my office during the day. You know, I, I can't necessarily be subjected to the stressors of of heat and cold and environment because I'm not working outside building fences or herding sheep or hunting or anything like that. At least not, not on a typical day, but I can get in the sauna every day and sweat my ass off for 20, 30 minutes. And then I can go get into something super cold at least once a day. Mm. So I'm simulating those environmental stressors and hormetic stressors. So most of the stuff I look at as biohacking is not like, what's this easy, comfortable shortcut that I can take so I yeah. can skip doing the hard work? It's more like, how can I simulate nature and then pair that with, with doing the hard work, right? With, with, so, so like this morning, yeah, I worked out. And yeah, it was an atypical workout because I'm like, a biohacker, so I had like blood flow restriction bands on with icy cold water circulating through the blood flow restriction bands with my feet attached to a grounding pad, and I had like thirty minutes of high intensity intervals well connected to this this biohacking machine called a uh, it was called a Vasper well I'm breathing pure oxygen, but during each of the intervals, I'm flipping a button and breathing basically hypoxic air. So I'm essentially training my, my CO2 tolerance and then blasting my cells with oxygen in between each. And then I stand up out of that and I walk over to the barbell and I'm doing deadlifts and kettlebell swings and uh, just basically like Russian twist with a medicine ball. And yeah, that, that like sucks. And it, and it, and it hurts and it's not like, it's not like easy shit. I think, I think that's the problem with a lot of biohackers is like, They're basically, you know, oh gosh, like this, this, this sounds really bad. I don't want to get negative guys, but they're just like weak ass people who basically got like beat up a lot when they were little kids, but they were kind of nerdy. So they figured out some technical ways to stay fit, but they've never actually done hard shit. Right. And I I think that's the problem with biohackers is yeah, like do the cool, like biohacking stuff, but get out and do hard shit too. You know what I'm saying? Like lift heavy stuff, get cold, sweat, but sweat hard. Like um it's it's not all about just basically putting on some fancy laser lights and then like some electrodes on your stomach to get six-pack abs.
0: Pat, Roger family, how's it going? We talk about sleep all the time on this podcast. That's why we are partnered with Eight Sleep Mattresses. Now, this mattress is the Tesla of sleep. It's the Tesla of beds. Its technology tracks your heart rate, your heart rate variability. It changes its own temperature based off the way you sleep so that you get better sleep every single night. It is quite literally insane. Check them out. Andrew, how do they get it?
1: Yes. And before I do that, I wanted to let you guys know that you can actually set the bed to wake you up silently. I know that sounds weird, but actually the bed starts vibrating around your head and it doesn't wake up the entire household the way my phone used to do back in the day. So now I just kind of have the bed wake me up silently and it's amazing. You guys got to head over to that's eight sleep.com slash power project. That's E I G H T sleep.com slash power project. When you guys go there, you'll see a banner across the top saying that you're going to receive $150 off automatically. So again, that's eight sleep.com slash power project to receive $150 off your pod pro cover or your pod pro cover and mattress combo links to them down in the description as well as the podcast show notes let's get back to the podcast
2: what are some of the harder things that you experience because you've done ultras you've done bodybuilding um you've you've done triathlons you've done all kinds of stuff uh what's the hardest and do you still do some of these uh activities do you still run do you still bodybuild do you still mess around with some of those things
3: Uh, first of all um I I really don't do many much of that hard shit anymore. That was like, that was a chapter in my life. And now like I play tennis with my family. I do the kettlebells and the heat and cold and breath work with my sons. I mess, you know, for about a half hour a day, I'll like go deep and do something hard, but compared to the days of like Ironman triathlon and, you know, obstacle course training where it would like, just like training was lifestyle for me, you know, like the weekend rolled around and I'd be out running 20 miles and then, you know, hammering to some town 100 miles away on my bike and, you know, coming back from the bike ride and before dinner, you know, swimming three miles while I started the black line at the bottom of the pool or, you know, typical Saturday morning workout was I built, like, a half-mile-long obstacle course at my house and I'd literally just be, like, two and a half hours running, climbing ropes, monkey bars, you know, hauling 100-pound sandbags up the hill and, you know, not for, like, a 20-minute hit routine but literally for, like, two and a half hours of doing that shit. And I just... Um my identity isn't tied to that anymore. I think it built a lot of character and perseverance and taught me a lot, but I just I I I feel like I'm called to do more meaningful things like, you know, writing articles and producing books that help people find a little bit deeper fulfillment and meaning in life and, you know, and, and being with my sons during their formative years and loving them and, you know, just slowing down and savoring creation a little bit and not feeling like I got to beat myself up in order to prove myself to the world that I'm a man or in order to like you know scratch some itch of you know let's face it probably a little bit of like exercise addiction you know stuff like that or or you know or just like training really hard so I could eat whatever I want like there's all sorts of little things that go on mentally you know with, with all these these hardcore type of endurance activities it's 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 literally not just you know, doing something so you can inspire people and climb your own personal Mount Everest. A lot of times there's like some crazy, nasty, you know, selfish addicted addiction type of shit tied into some of that stuff. You guys hopefully get what I'm saying. Mm. But anyways, um, you know, as, as far as like the hardest stuff, I would say like the top three hardest things that I did was a, the, uh, Commander Mark Devine's Kokoro, like his little like Navy SEAL Hell Week thing that he does for civilians, that was hard shit. I mean, I I won't lie, it was like twenty six mile night hikes wearing you know shitty backpacks full of sand with a beat down every mile while you're eating nasty you know MREs and you know and then going and sit in the Pacific Ocean till you're hypertherm or hypothermic for you know, like eight hours and you you never know what you're going to be doing next and the whole thing's just a mind fuck because they never tell you what you're going to be doing next. And, you know, don't get me wrong. Like if you tell me I got to go climb to the top of that mountain way off in the distance and, you know, stop and do burpees and climb under barbed wire, you know, every hour during that climb, I'll be like, all right, well, you told me what I got to do. I'm just going to do it. But if you just tell me like put on your shoes, put on this backpack and go walk this way, I'm not going to tell you anything else. Like the whole time in the back of your mind like, you just don't know. You can't prepare mentally. Like, like, so so that whole thing was kind of a mind fuck, but you know, it's, it's a, like I told my sons, I'm like, Hey, when you guys are 18, you should go do this. Cause it'll make everything else in life feel really easy. So that, that was a hard one that, that Kokoro camp, I think they had to like change it or something or like alter the way that they put it on. Cause apparently a couple of years after I did it, some guy's heart exploded during the event mm-hmm. and they had to like move it and change up some of their protocols. And I, I, I don't want to put words in Commander Mark Devine's mouth, but I think it's a little bit different now. But that, you know, that was called Kokoro. That was pretty hard. Um, the next one was the uh, Joe DeSena, who runs the, the Spartan organization. Mm. He puts on this thing called a, called a death race. And um, mm. so I, I was the idiot who signed up for the death race during the cold snap that they had back in Vermont, where it was 32 degrees below zero. My buddy picked me up from the Boston airport. He had his dog in the car, and he drove me, like, out of the backwoods of Vermont for this this event. And the dog wouldn't even get out of the car because the ground was, like, burning the bottom of the dog's, like, paws. And within, like, the first 30 minutes of the thing, two girls had to drop out. One got two of her toes amputated because they were frostbitten. You know, I couldn't even, like, pull my Gatorade bottle, you know, out to – take a drink because it was frozen so i had to keep that up against like but you know it up against my in up in my armpits you know like an example of an aid station would you just like run by and there'd be like a bunch of fish like frozen fish on sticks sticking up out of the snow and you had to figure out how to use your fire making kit and you know water gatorade or whatever to, like boil the fish in this shitty little pot and like oh my gosh it's like the whole thing they shouldn't have even done it have people and died they were, like there no nobody died but oh, you know there was like God. emts and paramedics like there the whole time and i remember like my heart fell like when we were a day into it was like a three-day event you know we're just going all day and all night and i heard a couple of like the people putting it on like talking in hushed voices are like what what should we have them do next you think that's safe and i'm like oh shit they're just making us up <laughs> as they go and so um so that but that was hard and uh yeah, but again, now anything I do that's cold doesn't feel that cold compared to that. So you know, everything, everything just kind of, kind of sets a standard. And then probably the third hardest thing was just like, you know, I, I competed in the Ironman World Championship six times down in Hawaii on the island of Kona, and like an Ironman is hard, but like anybody, not anybody, but like doing an Ironman isn't that hard. Like you can technically get up, could take a couple hours to swim a few miles ride a bike kind of slow because the cutoff's like 17 hours and then like walk a marathon and you could do an Ironman like it's not that hard to do an Ironman but when you race an Ironman World Championships it's like you know all these like gilled out Germans and Speedos and super fast people and everybody's been to the championships and everybody have been training for like nine months to get there and everybody's going way faster than you're comfortable going you know, for, for a 2.4 mile swim and a 112 mile bike ride. And, you know, you have a marathon for dessert, you run 26.2 miles. And so you're just like outside of your comfort zone the whole time because you're trying to podium and it's super hot and super windy. And so I think the Ironman world championships was hard, not because of like the nature of the event, like the distance isn't hard, but just like the fact that everybody's going way faster than you're comfortable going. And so the whole time, you're just basically breaking all the rules about pacing yourself and hoping your body's just gonna somehow survive the day. So that, those are a few of the harder things, but but uh yeah, I, I have no desire to do. Any of that. I mean, yeah, if somebody offered me like whatever, you know, fifty thousand bucks to go do do an Ironman or something just as a publicity stunt, I'd probably do it. But like, I, I've that's about the only reason I'd be interested in doing that stuff anymore is if, if somebody. Gave me a fat paycheck to go to go uh, torture myself for the day.
2: Do you run at all now or bike just uh, recreationally here and there?
3: I run to the mailbox. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and if, some, if, if my kids are chasing me or if I'm playing tennis, but no, like I, I haven't run in like a year and a half, like actually gone on a run. I, I literally have not gone on a run in like a year and a half.
0: Okay. You know, uh, when you were, something that you mentioned that I thought was really cool is you know for example you've done those really really hard things but it makes it so that like for example doing the death race and being out in that type of cold now when you come and you go in your 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 cold plunge device at 32 degrees it doesn't feel that bad just like you know Uh, we've done bodybuilding shows and now maintaining a a leaner type of physique is not that bad because a bodybuilding show is much worse or doing a powerlifting meet and getting that strong. Well, we don't necessarily do that anymore, but maintaining a decent level of strength is not that hard because you've gone and you've done the harder thing. Now, the thing that most people would think is hard to do is much easier. And uh, I think that's something that's beneficial that people can think about to try to do for themselves.
3: Yeah, and I think it even extends into like the mental realm, like that quiet time that I was talking about for mm. 20 minutes in the morning. Most people, they, they have difficulty being present during the day and not just like flopping around like a Muppet during the day from, from activity to activity, from checkbox to checkbox and not really stopping to ask themselves, why am I doing this in the first place? What's the ultimate goal for this task I'm doing aside from just getting it done or am I truly connecting with this person versus, you know, doing what I said I was going to do, which was whatever, meet them at the gym or have a coffee, like, but am I actually connecting to this sacred soul who's going to go on to live for eternity? Am I making eye contact? Am I listening to the timber of their voice? Am I feeling the electromagnetic signal coming off their body? If I'm truly present, am I mean, even smelling the pheromones and chemical signals that their skin's producing, like there's so much that we miss out on when we're not present and there's so much more capability to be present when you just stop and carve out time each day to sit with yourself. Cause if you can't be present with yourself, you're going to have a hell of a time being present in any other situation in your life. And so like, for example, one tip I can give people just to begin to build presence is, you know, like when you wake up in the morning, even if you don't have time to, to meditate or journal or sit or, you know, carve out 20 minutes or whatever just like listen to a song and as you listen to the song be fully immersed in it i mean fully immersed like what you're trying to do is identify the space between the notes okay it's, it's difficult to explain but if you listen to a song and you truly listen to it intentionally you'll know what i mean it should preferably be a song that's not like too driven with lyrics preferably something instrumental like one that I like, you know, especially for my mornings is there's a Spotify playlist called uh, uh, Soaking Worship. And it's just like this, this really great, like, worship channel, but it's got no words. It's just like these really moving, epic, you know, songs, very orchestral. And listen to it and try to literally listen for the gaps between each note. And if you can listen for the space between the notes on a song, you're going to find yourself beginning to notice the eye color. And the little lines and blood vessels in the iris of someone who you're talking to that you're actually making eye contact with. And you're going to start to notice the subtle variations in their vocal inflections and their vocal tone. And you're going to be sitting and eating a bite of food and recognizing not just one, not just two, but five, seven, 10, 12 complexities of flavor in each bite. And you're going to be chewing each bite 25 to 30 times, focusing on the actual presence of that food. In your mouth. And when you make love, you're going to have all your senses tuned on and be feeling even the slightest little puff of breath coming out of your lover's nostril. And you're going to be able to just experience and savor creation in a far different way than nearly everybody walking the face of this planet, especially nearly every Westerner walking the face of this planet who's got a fucking smartphone. Supercomputer in their hand that they can't get disconnected from. They're thinking about the eight different things that they got to get done because we live in an information era that's rife with FOMO and the opportunity to do so many things that we're rarely just doing one thing at once for which we can be present. But the people who can actually listen to what I'm saying and train themselves to be present, train themselves to be present with these little things each day, starting with something as simple as listening to a song and finding the space between the notes all of a sudden life becomes a lot more magical and you know what? It becomes a lot more magical without needing to like, you know, pop some, some psilocybin or whatever to, to, to find that beauty or to increase those sensory perceptions. So, so, you know, I I think that's something that's important.
2: What is uh, something that you're into now? Like at the moment, like what over the last maybe year or so, what's something that you have gravitated towards Uh, Over here, we've been working on some, like, mobility stuff along with doing some stuff with, like, the feet and working on hip flexors and stuff like that. Like, what's something that you feel has made a big difference for you within the last year or so?
3: Borrowing. Mm. Borrowing using, like, an 80-20 approach. You know, 20% of the the moves and the exercises in a lot of these programs uh, are going to produce 80% of the results. And so – you know, I, I obviously being in the health and fitness arena, I get exposed to a lot of this stuff and I've borrowed bits here and there that are just woven into my week. So, so yeah, breath work is a big part of that. Um, a few other things that, that I've really just started to do probably cause I'm getting old. So I'm just interested in feeling good and moving better and having better gait patterning and, um, and, and, you know, b- building, uh, You know, it's like when when you're young, you're all uh, pec major, deltoid, glute max, um, quad, hamstring, gastroc, biceps. And when you get old, you start to realize, oh, like I've been neglecting, um, you know, glute med, rotator cuff, uh, the tibialis anterior, the flexor halicus and the the big toe muscles, um, you know, and and. And and, and basically, uh, you know, and and honestly, like a lot of the inspiratory and expiratory and diaphragmatic muscles as well as the the deep uh, pelvic muscles as well. And so what what I've really been figuring out is that I move better, I feel better, and a lot of my other workouts actually go a lot better. Even the workouts that are using a lot of the the, the primary muscles or the larger muscles when I'm focusing on some of these other components that I've discovered just by – borrowing from some really good programs. So what I mean by that is, for example, um, uh, 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 Ben Patrick, Knees Over Toes, like love his, his ATG book that's got two different workouts in it that are like these longevity-based exercises. I took a few of the best of the best from those two workouts, you know, like uh, ass-to-grass split squats and tib raises and band pull-aparts and some of the reverse hypers and just basically put all those together into one. 20 minute workout that I do twice a week. Um, the, uh, another folks who I know you guys are familiar with, I, I forget his name. Uh, the, the go to guy, um, Gary,
2: Gary, Scheffler.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Gary. So, um, the idea of while I'm in gate, focusing on the outside of my foot, doing a few walks where when I'm pushing off, I'm rotating my back foot to about 22 and a half degrees and doing a little bit more of of a push off in almost like a, a pigeon toed format. And then working in some bear crawls where, you know, I'm also at about 22 and a half on the hands, 22 and a half on the feet, interior rotation. And, you know, sometimes I'll even use, you know, I'll use one of your bands mark, you know, around my hips for those crawls. And, um, and, and so, uh, using some more like the indigenous hunter gatherer and human baby type of angles. And, uh, another thing that I do in the sauna is I keep, uh, some, some of the, the wedges for the feet, the sole steps that David Weck makes so that I can kind of be in that biomechanical position and just, you know, fuck around in the sauna with some squats and some lunges in that position. So I like, I like Gota, I like Ben Patrick, um, Another example would be someone who more works with women, but who I think has a great program, uh, Denise Conway. And her, uh, don't laugh, guys, it's called The Flower Empowered, right? Ooh. She teaches all these hypopressive exercises and pelvic core strengthening exercises for women. But I tell you what, like for me to be able to train my deep diaphragmatic muscles to work on some of the, the organs that tend to get pushed down with gravity and to learn how to do things like hypopressive breathing uh, things like working the perineum and some of the deep pelvic core muscles uh, with with like lacrosse balls, and just paying more attention to that one area that, frankly, massage therapists don't work on much. And breathing techniques that we really don't learn from some of these other breathwork protocols that are specifically designed for supporting organs, digestive function, prolapse, incontinence, some of those other things that occur with age. I've found that program to be really good. Another example would be. Um, uh, uh, the uh, back, back to David Weck. Like I know he's, he's, he's kind of a funky guy, but some of his core coiling methods and going on walks where I actually am focusing literally on storing energy and then releasing it as I swing my arms across the body. I like his, his handheld things. I forget what they're called, but, but basically going on walks with those where I'm swinging my arms across my body. I still do some of his BOSU exercises. I still do some of his club exercises for warmups. And I like that idea of, of coiling and releasing energy, like his stuff and the go to stuff, they go together uh, pretty well. Um, and if I could, if I could think of one other, uh, it would probably be, um, let's see, i talked about the other Ship app, go to Ben Patrick. Oh, um, Eric Goodman, Eric Goodman's uh, core foundation exercises for decompressing the spine. Again, like a lot of this stuff is based off what gravity does to the body with age or faulty movement patterns that develop as we age due to us falling back on primary muscles rather than some of these smaller stabilizers. But Dr. Eric Goodman has these exercises called core foundation exercises that combine diaphragmatic breathing, spinal decompression, some, honestly, some, some like, uh, internal rotation and, And loading of the hands and feet that are similar, again, to like, uh, like Gota, for example, Um, I really like his programs and we'll weave a few of those in when I'm like in the sauna in the morning or or, like stretching uh, when I wake up. And so I would say the big thing for me is I just kind of like pick up little things as I go through my life and I won't like jump hardcore full on, like drinking all the Kool-Aid from anybody's program, but I borrow little bits here and there and then I put them all together for what works for me and my body and my time limitations and my training environment and my training goals, which frankly right now are just basically longevity and healthy movement patterns.
2: What about training of the penis? We recently uh, dove into some (laughs) uh, penis pumping (laughs) and we've had some sex experts come on the show. Has there been anything that you've uh, learned more recently about that? You did mention like pelvic floor. And I think, Men don't realize that we got a pelvic floor as well. Um, have you learned yeah. anything more recently in that department? And real quick, I do want to add on to that because I've
0: seen this comment from women in the audience. Ladies, we know that you are all individuals and not one thing works for all of you. We're just <laughs> trying to get better so we can do a bunch <laughs> of different shit, okay? Anyway, Ben, please help us out. <laughs>
3: Yeah, you know, I, I think I was a culprit for making a lot of that stuff popular I think three years ago. I did that that immersive journalism article for Men's Health magazine where they sent me on like a six-month foray for this article. It's called New Year, New Dick. <laughs> they had me do everything from uh, PRP and stem cell injections Woo! into my penis to uh, the, the penis pump to the gas station dick pills to no ejaculation Whoa. for a month to the multi-orgasmic tantric breathing techniques. You know, like it was like, gosh, everything. <laughs> um, and so, and yeah, I mean like a lot of that stuff works, uh, you know, yeah. Penis pumps work. Yeah. The, the PRP injections work. Yeah. The, the shockwave therapy, the gains wave for opening up new blood vessels works. Yeah. Stem cell injections. Absolutely. That was probably one of the most, uh, effective things that I did during that entire protocol, hey <laughs> long-term lasting results for, for firmness, for, uh, for, for even like a quality of orgasm, you know, kind of similar to, to the PRP injections, but a little bit more of an effect. And um, I think probably in addition to just that whole lineup of stuff, um, <laughs> really, the I think the two main things come back to breath. One would be during all of my breath work, and this really helps out, mm. too, with with just a lot of like the uh, like incontinence, organ prolapse, those type of things that can occur as you age, is... Nearly every time I do breath work, I am essentially doing Kegels. You know, I'm I'm squeezing on the exhale. Um, um, I'm I'm relaxing on the inhale. And when I say squeezing and relaxing, I'm literally talking about stopping the flow of urine, doing Kegels. And so every day, I mean, with those breath work, that means every day I'm doing like 15 to 20 minutes of Kegels. Um, That, in terms of the effects – on my orgasms, specifically like the length and the intensity of the orgasms has been amazing. Like, I think a lot of guys hear about Kegels, but they're kind of like, ah, eh, they start doing them and then they don't, then they pick it up here and there. But like, I literally do 15 to 20 minutes of Kegels almost every day. And then I keep a captains of crush hand grip in my car. <laughs> and when I'm driving in my car, I'll just like go left hand, That's squeeze good. five times, right hands. But every time I squeeze, <laughs> I'm also squeezing all the deep pelvic muscles and every time I release the hand grip strengthener, I'm relaxing all those deep muscles. And so I'm getting a lot of that Kegel exercises just while I'm driving around in my car as well. So um, that's one thing. Another couple of things that I messed around with for a little while, just because I'm, I'm constantly trying stuff, is uh, there's, there's one company called um, uh, Innovio, and they make like electrical muscle stimulation shorts, that you actually pull on, and yes. they literally just like stim all your nether regions, all your pelvic floor muscles. Now, I think um, you know one of those uh, the 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 MSculp device that mm-hmm. Judson yeah. Brandis likes. They also make one called an MCella. I haven't used it, but apparently you sit on it and it does something similar. Um, but essentially, these are this is like electrostimulation for a lot of those deep pelvic core muscles, and literally, it's it's like training all these muscles to contract and relax and teaching you how to recruit them in some really cool ways. And so uh, two other things that, again, these are kind of fringe, but I know you guys just kind of like to hear about <laughs> you know, any and all this stuff. So yeah. uh, PMF, if you have a PMF mat, um, there's a lot of, of good data on PMF for both testosterone as well as uh, your, your sperm quality. And you can, so what I have is one of these PMF mats. I used to have the one by Pult Centers, and you can sit on it, and so you can just sit cross-legged on it while you're reading a book or journaling or doing breath work or whatever. And it's literally doing like PMF up into your crotch. What is PM? so you're getting a pulse electromagnetic field therapy. Oh. And so, you know, a lot of athletes will use this for blood flow for oxygenation, et cetera, but there's no reason you can't just like sit on the mat. And the smaller the mat, the more concentrated the treatment is. And you, you can do a treatment just for your crotch. <laughs> and then the, the last one that's interesting, um, you know, for, for a while I, I messed around with, uh, you know, just cause I, I want, I was curious about, you know, prostate orgasms and what the prostate gland orgasm feels like. And obviously you got to go, uh, into the, into the rectum to, to stem the prostate. And, you know, I, my, my wife and I messed around with that a little bit and I, you know, I, I honestly didn't really get much out of it or like it that much. But what I have found is that, and I actually did try this. Like, I, I will try anything. Um, they make, like, these uh, – um, it's electrical muscle stimulation, but it's literally like, like an like a ass EMS device that you put up your butthole. I'm and it down. stems all your deep pelvic core muscles from the inside. Contract, relax, contract, relax. And it's literally doing, like, electrical muscle stimulation for all the muscles that you can't get to if you're like sitting on a device or wearing shorts or whatever. Wow. And, uh, that thing had such an impact <laughs> on like my ability to be able to control ejaculation and, uh, and, and, and do a better job with these multi-orgasmic techniques, but I still use it once a week. It's like seven minutes. I lay on my bathroom floors, grab a book and that thing is just like, contract release it's literally like a workout for what? all of like your inner butt and prostate muscles and some of those tiny muscles that are just like right above the dick what and, exactly uh, is it called you know, <laughs> that one's called a um uh oh gosh who's it made by it's it's uh it's called like a like an electrical kegel wand exercise mm-hmm. or a lot of women use them in their vaginas uh, also for for vaginal strengthening i think it's called like a firm or something like that i i forget the name of it i i uh yeah i forget the name of it i don't, know. I don't remember we'll, but it's we'll like an electrical you. muscle stimulation like look up like electrical muscle stimulation kegel device and it'll look like kind of like a dildo type of shaped <laughs> wand that's literally just connected to this little computer and i realize it sounds kind of weird but i mean the thing actually male kegel well.
0: exerciser i found it
3: yeah something like that wow yeah by by the way, guys, I uh I have another uh, another podcast in about ten minutes. I just wanted to warn you.
2: Yeah, no no problem. I'm curious, what do you have on your feet while you're on this hike here?
3: <laughs> I have old school uh, Brooks. I don't know, it's like the Brooks Beast or whatever. I you know I I I get the whole you know barefoot spread the toes um, Vibram five finger thing. Um, my problem is like. A lot of times I'll take phone calls and stuff and walk and do shows like this. And some days I'll walk like 25,000 steps. Right. And I find if, if I get too minimalist with the footwear, A, I always step on some big rock or something that seems <laughs> to like sprain my toe. And it just like defeats the purpose. And then I'm like wrapping my toes with kinesio tape and trying to fix that stuff. Or you get like some Achilles issues because there's almost like not enough padding, especially right. walking on hard surfaces. So I wear more like uh, these shoes are called Brooks. They're kind of built like the uh, like the, the Hoka's, you know, like those big built mm-hmm. up running shoes. Yeah. So I wear like some some pretty cushiony shoes when I'm going on long walks. But then rest of the time, uh, including when I'm working out, I'm usually like barefoot or super zero drop minimalist.
2: Cool. Thank you so much for your time today. Uh, where can people find out more about you and where can people uh, find your books and stuff like that?
3: Uh just uh you know on the internet places like that <laughs> <laughs> There we I'm go a, I don't know, I'm on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook I you know I'm I'm, a, I'm I'm on them all I'm even looking into some of these newer like decentralized ones like Getter and Zion it's, you guys know how it goes you can barely keep up but right. honestly like my main portal pretty much like everything I do is at bengreenfieldlife.com
2: Awesome man have a great rest of your day thank you so much for your time
3: Hey, I love you guys. Thanks for having me on and uh enjoy the weekend, guys. L- listen for the uh, listen for the silence between the notes, all right? Yes.
2: Catch you later. Thank you, sir. All see right. you later.
3: Catch you on the flip side later.
2: I feel like we won something today. Like that was awesome. We <laughs> yeah, got a lot of penis information.
0: <laughs> Mark you're all about the dicks now, aren't you? Right. <laughs> <laughs> what are the of the comments I see? we
2: are
3: going to have like YouTube. a rogue
0: attachment sex swing, you know, coming in soon. Pretty actually. easy to do. I don't know why some of these guys in the <laughs> comments are like are are like annoyed at us like. All we're trying to do like, is improve. Oh, people are mad at us? Pe- yeah. pe- Some guys in the comments are like, I don't know why they're doing this so much. It's like, So all they're talking about is dicks. Like, no, we don't only talk about dicks, but we have them and we want to improve <laughs> them. All right? We're not just trying to walk around with average mm-hmm. cacks. So as we improve our dicks, you improve yours too. And your lady or guy is mm-hmm. happy with you. I just know he had a lot of information about it too. So mm-hmm. I figured why yes. not. And I'm, I'm definitely going to grab myself that uh, that Kegel bottle. Man, I don't... Nah, yes. Uh, No, yes. Can I borrow yours? dog can we wear them during the <laughs> show dog i'm excited for this delete denise conway lady that the one that did all. because right. okay i honestly had an app actually i still have it i haven't used it in a minute but it's a kegel app on this phone and it literally like counts down for you holding certain kegels because there's a while i did that and it makes a difference like training those pelvic floor muscles and flexing and relaxing you become more aware and that plays a huge role it in oddly you gets not
2: tiring very quickly
0: it does it, but you could like what yeah. it's like when you don't if you've never bench pressed. Yeah, you're yeah, weak yeah. initially, mm-hmm. but you right. get strong quick. <laughs> right. Same thing with
2: Kegels, especially with
0: these muscles because mm-hmm. once you start doing that, you're like, Froom! you could hold in anything." But uh I'm I'm definitely going to get that rectal thing.
1: Which one was it? Cuz I see a couple on Google. I see a
0: few, man. I typed in electrical uh, Kegel wand and you had like something a came
2: PMF, up. Uh, yeah, the PMF. Yeah, the PMF mat. mat. Yeah, a bunch PMF. of stuff. But special shorts that light mm. your balls
1: on fire. Yeah. Is dude. it by Attain? Probably. This uh, oh, it's not loading. Yeah, I don't know. Something shocking inside my anus. <laughs>
2: Pretty cool that he's got you know such a diverse background. Bodybuilding, mm-hmm. ultra marathons. Um, I don't know how many times he competed, but I know that he competed a little bit in bodybuilding. I just think it's cool, you know. And then now he just is. Um, even though he's still working out intensely, mm-hmm. it's just. It's more just like feel better. Yeah.
0: And he's a biohacker I appreciate primarily because like he understands the big movers. The big mover is your physicality and your habits and all these that's things. That's a biohack that,
2: right there. That's a biohack. Just go fucking exercise. Yes. And then um, get some sunlight. Try to make sure you have good quality sleep. Mm-hmm. Stay hydrated walk (laughs) when
0: he was talking about the have some time to yourself have some time to yourself and as he was talking about the creativity aspect of things we were talking about this yesterday like i found that the the time when things starts really flow is when walking Mm -hmm. literally when walking and i have my phone with me i'm trying to think of something i think of it much quicker and it comes much smoother if i'm in motion and locomotion and you mentioned there's a lot behind that Mm -hmm. that i didn't even realize
2: yeah there's studies i mean there's uh from what i recall there's a I think it's uh what I've learned. I think it's that guy. Mm-hmm. He talks a lot about walking and then he talks about how there's been studies done at like specific speeds. So if you're just kind of strolling, you might get some creativity. But if you're walking a little faster is probably where you're going to get hit with more stuff. So they recommend 3.7 in the study that they did, which is moving pretty good. You know, you got to be kind of intent and purposeful to walk, to be walking at that speed if you're not used to walking at that speed.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wanted to ask him about uh, grounding because he mentioned it a couple times. We got some grounding mats and all kind of stand on it barefoot and even sometimes work standing on it but is that
0: an earthing the same thing or yeah
1: yeah it's the same thing yeah and i, I ordered it because somebody on the uh the comment section had recommended it so i'm like oh let me check this out mm. and they just have some crazy bold claims you know like what it can do it's just like oh it's impossible to get inflammation if you're grounded and like you know some weird shit like, like that
0: inflammation in your feet or inflammation like your whole in- body
1: Like
2: it's, at least that's what it, well, I believe like, uh, you know, I'm going to totally mess a lot of this up, but I believe the earth has like an energy charge to it. You know, it has like ions and shit like that. And mm -hmm. I think when you go to like, especially a place like the beach and you walk on the beach barefoot, Mm -hmm. um, the salt water, the sand, like all that stuff is really beneficial, but even just walking outside your house and, uh, standing in the grass, Mm -hmm. which would be cold and wet, um you can just kind of logically know that, like, that's probably what we used to do. Probably Mm -hmm. used to do that a lot. But now it's like, you know, God forbid I actually really go outside and bear the elements of the earth. Let me put on a sock to cover up my feet and then let me stuff it into a shoe and make sure that I don't make any actual contact with the earth. Right. And I was telling Insima the other day, I was like, people drive from one box to another and they they get to that box by driving in a box that has wheels on it. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's all climate controlled, and so we don't really deal with the actual earth. And when we are dealing with the earth, we try to figure out ways of blocking it by putting on clothes, putting on shoes, and then somebody walks into somebody else's office, and they go, "Wow, this is beautiful! Look <laughs> at that giant window." <laughs> and it's like, "Oh, that's cool. We can see the outside, but thank God we're not actually outside because yeah. that could be dangerous." <laughs>
1: yeah, uh, it, it is weird. So, like when I when I'm standing on this earthing grounding mat or whatever. And if I, I touch the top of my laptop, it, like, it doesn't shock me, but, like, I can feel mm. something weird going on. Wait, whoa, whoa. whoa. So, Wait, when you're standing? So, standing on the mat, mm-hmm. and then, like, I close my laptop case or, like, the, you know, flip the cover down. And if I, like, rub my or, like, skim my hand across the top of my laptop, I can feel it, like, buzzing. And then if I step off the mat and I do the same thing, it's smooth it almost feels like there's a texture to it when I'm on the grounding mat. So I'm wondering if a, like the wiring is fucked up in my house or b like when I ground myself, my laptop is like generated like short circuit cause it's not like legit grounded or something.
0: Okay. Question grounding mat. Is it, it's so it's not, it's not the mat I was thinking about that has like the ridges and the rocks and shit. No, like no, no. The, no. It's, it's not that. Just imagine
1: like a very small yoga mat with mm-hmm. a plug that plugs into just the, the, uh, neutral part of the outlet of your house so you know oh, like there's two then there's a one pin in the middle so it just plugs into that grounding spot interesting yeah
0: okay i didn't um, look like i was tripping i thought it was just one of those textured mats so your feet could get different no. things. no okay no okay but
1: yeah exactly it's just it's out there it, yeah. but it i mean we got them and It just, I don't know. I don't know. It's one of those things. It's creatine. I'm I'm taking it just because. (laughs) (laughs) Creatine. Because there was a study done a long time ago. Yeah. Um,
0: (laughs) One thing I really appreciated that he said is the the idea of borrowing Mm -hmm. because that's exactly what we do. Like we have all these different guests come on. And like I will take uh, like some stuff from what Ben does, some stuff from what Goda does, some stuff from what uh, Schlesinger does and do it and add it into what I think is the most effective type of routine for myself and what I'm trying to do. That's what we're trying to do. We don't buy in totally to one Mm -hmm. idea. We take the usefulness or what we think is useful for us from all these different things and make it our ultimate program. And that's the kind of thing that we're trying to help you guys do for yourselves you know because i mean you can totally buy and there's no problem with doing somebody's full program no problem there but if you have some things that you're trying to progress on your own you don't necessarily need to abandon those things potentially um and switch and do totally something else you can you can add it's mm-hmm. you can always just add things and take out things that aren't as useful
2: and just try it you know just mm-hmm. just you know try some of the things that we mention and see if they or something that somebody else mentions and just see if it does anything and don't just try it for a day, like Mm. give it, Mm -hmm. you know, give things an honest shot. I think if you're really going to try something, I think, I think you would know by the end of like two weeks on Mm -hmm. whether you're making any sort of progress or enjoying it or feeling slightly different from it. So that, that would be a decent amount of time to, uh, but also you gotta be, I I would say like a month, but like people aren't going to always stick with stuff Mm. for a month. But I think if you (laughs) do, if you're doing some of these things, like some of the things that we're suggesting, you can do them almost every single day mm-hmm. or every single time you go to the gym. Uh, there's no reason why you can't, you know, train your tibs or train your neck or like, you know, some of these new things that we're starting to mess around with and explore like your hip flexors. Obviously, you can overdo it, but a small dosage of it spread out over two weeks uh, with not heavy weights I think you'll get a good idea of whether it's going to fit into what you're doing.
1: Yeah. And don't do what I used to do, which is like, I'm going to try this new thing and then you get in a couple of days and you start Googling why it doesn't work, Mm. you know, because then you're not giving it an honest shot the way you just said. Uh Right. Um, want to take us on out of here, Andrew? Yeah, sure thing. Thank you everybody for checking out today's episode. Uh, please make sure you guys like today's episode and make sure you drop a comment down below. Um, we heard some some pretty incredible stuff from from Ben Greenfield. I like how when he said uh, the breathing thing, I started doing the us. breathing thing and I looked at you and you're like <laughs> <laughs> and we were like, we're kingling together. <laughs> I, I love how like like I was doing it and then when I do the and like I, I crouched into it and then I look up and you're doing the same thing <laughs> <laughs> and then we just point at each other. So that was funny. Yeah, uh, Yeah, if you guys are doing kegels right now let us know down in the comments below uh, and follow the podcast or make sure you guys subscribe if you guys are not subscribed and follow the podcast at mark bell's power project on instagram at mb power project on tiktok and twitter my instagram twitter and tiktok is at i am andrew z and sima where you
0: at Guys, make sure to check out Ben, his book, his concept. He has a lot of really cool stuff. So check him out and also let us know. Comment below. Let us know what you liked in this episode. But I didn't see my any on Instagram, YouTube, I didn't see my on TikTok and Twitter, Mark.
2: I'm at Mark's Belly Bell. Strength is never This Week is never strength. Catch you guys later.
0: Bye.